Hello, and welcome to Rafi's Roundup. I'm Corsho Rafi, and on this podcast, I talk about things that I want to talk about. Not things you want to talk about, things I want to talk about. Um, so WandaVision is over. <laughs> there's, there's no more WandaVision to talk about. I, we have nothing here, guys. Um, which means I have to go back to being semi-creative and, and coming up with talking points. Um... Which is going to be, I don't know, kind of nice. It's going to be nice to not talk about WandaVision, I guess. <laughs> I've gotten so used to talking about it that it's weird that I'm not. But in a weird way, I am because of this intro. Um, today we're going to talk about some some news topics that have happened in the last couple of weeks that uh, uh, I stress to say I have opinions about, but I guess I do because I'm talking about them. <laughs> Um, yeah, these are just news topics that, like, you know, I, I figured it would be worth discussing and are kind of interesting. Um, as far as, like, what we're mainly going to talk about after we get through, I only have, like, four news pieces I want to really talk about, but, um, <clears throat> the main thing I want to talk about later is DC animated movies. Um, I've been working on a DC Comics-related podcast for a future episode, maybe next week I'll do it. Um, so, in the process of just kind of reading about DC and, and, and thinking about DC comic books uh, characters and, and such, um, I started thinking a lot about the animated movies, and I wanted to talk about them, you know, kind of where DC animated films have been, what they've become, and where they're going now, and just kind of put my own ideas out there for what stories I think are worthy or, you know, are a good idea to adapt into an animated film. So, we'll talk about that later on. But for now, um, so, <laughs> Pepe Le Pew is getting cancelled, guys. Yeah, that, that sex past skunk has <laughs> had it too good for too long, and uh, it's over. We're, 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 we're shutting him down. We're getting him the hell out of here. Um, coincidentally, my parents are dealing with a skunk hiding under their house right now, so that might be Peppy trying to dodge the law. Um, but, yeah, Peppy Le Pew, he didn't put out a weird Twitter comment or anything. Um, uh, from what I understand... You know, they're, they're shooting the new Space Jam movie. I don't know if they're actually calling it Space Jam 2. I think they are. Um, but they're shooting that. I don't know if it's done production. Um, I think it might be. But basically, Peppa Le Pew is going to have a scene in the movie where he helps Bugs Bunny and... Who's who's the guy, who's the guy in, in Space Jam 2? Is it, is it LeBron? Hold on. Space Jam... Oh, Space Jam A New Legacy. Okay, good. It has a Wikipedia page. Uh, okay, it is LeBron James. Sweet. Uh, it's coming out July 16th, 2021. So, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's done. Um, but no, so basically, uh, what is it? Peppy was going to have a scene where he helps the, uh, LeBron and, 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 and uh, Bugs find Lola Bunny. Um, but the whole scene was cut out. Um, I guess there was going to be some kind of joke about LeBron 
telling Peppy that he needs to ask cartoons for consent next time or something. Like, I don't know. So, so, some joke about Peppy being a, a sex pest. And uh, I don't know... I don't know what happened. I don't know what basically started this conversation. I guess they maybe cut the scene, and then, you know, that went into talks, and then, uh, what do you call it? People just commented it, commented on it and stuff. I don't know, there's actually nothing on the Wikipedia about Peppy getting cancelled. Well, I'm not gonna look any deeper into it. What the fuck? Okay, so... Sp <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll talk about this in a second. Um, so yeah, Peppy... He, he, I guess they're not going to use him anymore? Maybe he'll... Cam I don't know if he'll cameo either. Um, obviously, I'm not a female-gendered cat with a white stripe going down my back. So, you know, I haven't been personally affected by Pepe Le Pew. But, um, you know, I think even as a kid, I didn't really find him super funny. I just kind of thought he was weird. Um forcing himself on that cat, um, yeah, that, that's definitely one of those jokes of, like, you know, at, I'm sure back then, at first, it was like, oh, it'd be funny to see this horny-ass skunk get rejected because he's chasing a cat or whatever, um, but obviously, it doesn't really work nowadays, and there's a lot of stuff like that, you know, Bugs Bunny made some black jokes, some 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 Korean jokes. Um, I will say, I think I draw the line at, um, what is it? Them taking the guns away from Elmer Fudd and, um, what's his name? Yosemite Sam. Like, the gun is their whole personality. <laughs> like, fucking Elmer Fudd is a hunter. He, the shotgun, and like, it's not even like the shotgun was just like a part of his character model. There were so many jokes where he pointed a gun at Bugs. Bugs would put his finger in the hole of the gun, and then the gun would go off, and, and Elmer Fudd would get blown to bits, you know? Um, you know, if anything, Fudd and, and um, you know, Samity Sam, they, they were characters that never, like, won in those cartoons. So, like, I don't really see them as, like, cautionary tales about, like, you know, the, the gun violence. Um... I always saw them as like, no, this is why you don't use guns, because the bad guys use guns, so I, I see no reason why they had to take them out. The, the other thing, too, is like, it'd be one thing if, it'd be one thing if Elmer Fudd was walking through the forest looking for bugs, bugs showed up, and then Elmer pulled out, like, a semi-automatic rifle, or, you know, a standard issue, like, police officer pistol, like, it'd be a different story if it was like a modern day gun, but he's got like... An old-school shotgun that old-school hunters use. You know, um, what's his name? Yosemite Sam has, like, six shooters that cowboys use. You know, even Marvin the Martian used guns, and they were, like, weird-ass, uh, what is it, ray guns. I don't know. I think it's kind of silly, but, I'll, yeah, I'm more upset about the gun thing <laughs> than I am about the uh, Pepe Le Pew thing. I mean, I will say, I do think it's kind of shitty to completely remove a character because, like, I've seen characters in comics and cartoons and stuff who have been reused and just, like, shifted to not be as offensive, I guess. Like, um, Mr. Popo from Dragon Ball Z, when they, like, you know, brought that stuff over to the, over to the, the, well, 
over to the States, and uh, when they did, like, basically re-broadcasts of Dragon Ball Z, they just made Mr. Popo a blue guy with yellow lips. You know, he wasn't black with pink lips anymore. Um, with Jinx, they made her face purple. Um, I feel like there was another good one. In the comics, uh, I was actually reading about this the other day. In the comics, there's this comic called uh, The Blackhawks, which was a, I think, World War II, like, Air Force team, like a team of fighter pilots, and each of them kind of represented a different nation. And the one, the pilot that represented China was this, like, horrible Asian stereotype named Chop Chop. Um, and in, like, the 70s, when they brought Black Hawks back for a short period of time, they redesigned him to just be a Chinese, like, a Chinese man who was a fighter pilot. Like, they just removed basically everything offensive about the character and made him a legitimate person. Um, they've done that for... I think Hal Jordan had a friend named Pie Face that they called him, and he was Inuit. Um, and again, he, he got a redesign. I think he was played by Taika Waititi in the movie, but regardless of that, I just wanted to mention Taika Waititi. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, where was I going with this? I, oh yeah, I think Peppy... Peppa Pew, uh, I don't think he needed to be canceled outright. I don't think they, they needed to completely remove him. But if they redesigned him, I think that's a different story. Like, he's he's a skunk. You know what I mean? Skunks are stinky. And Peppy is this romantic. I feel like you could have toned it down. I feel like you could have made him maybe less of a sex pest. <laughs> and maybe just more of like, I don't know. Like a friendly kind of guy. I don't know. Friendly. That might, that might put it off the wrong way. I don't know. If he was like a celebrity or something. Or he thought he was like a celebrity. Like he thought he was a big shot. And so, you know, he'd walk into places and, exp and like, like okay. Easy joke. You know, drop me in the 1940s or whatever. When they were writing all these Pepe the Pew bits. Pepe has to go to a bank. And the, the lines are really long. And so he just, you know, announces to the room, excuse me, uh, famous superstar Pepe Le Pew coming through, obviously with a offensive French accent, of course. Um, <laughs> and when he raises his arms and asks everyone, you know, you move aside, I'll give you all autographs, I, just, I, I don't want to wait in line, they all run out of the building because he smells and he thinks, oh, I guess they just couldn't handle seeing a celebrity in real life. Like, just something like that, you know? Um, but yeah, bye, Pe goodbye, Pepe Le Pew. Um, let you rock, rot away while fucking Speedy Gonzalez still gets to be a character. Uh, okay, so I just, like, again, I'm on the Wikipedia. And, uh, yeah, Speedy Gonzalez is gonna be in this, uh, Space Jam movie. And he's gonna be played by Gabriel Iglesias, which, that part I'm fine with. I love Gabriel Iglesias. He's a great comedian. He's great. On his Wikipedia, it says, also known as Fluffy. His middle name is Jesus. I love this man. Um, yeah, I don't, what, what, why? <laughs> what, how come Speedy, like, because Speedy Gonzalez, he's a Mexican rat, unless he's a mouse, hold on, hold on, I don't want to be fucking, I don't want all the rats that listen to this podcast to be offended. He's a mouse. Yes, he's a mouse, he's, he's Spanish, no, get out of here, little bunny, um, I guess it's another thing. Why does Space Jam and New Legacy have so much controversy around it? Jesus Christ. Um, but I guess Speedy's good. 
You know? I, 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 then again, he is just, like, racially offensive and not, like, sexually offensive. So I guess that's not as bad <laughs> in today's society. And, like, this coming from someone that likes Speedy Gonzalez, I think he's fun. Um, like his cousin Slowpoke Gonzalez, they're fun. Um, yeah, so he gets to stay. Pepe has to go. Um, and then Lola Bunny got a redesign, which people are pissed off with, and it's like, you're... Listen. <laughs> Listen. If you like... Lola Bunny's original design. If you if you're really into it, that you're you won't be forever. After you're really happy with it, you'll stop thinking about it. You know, pull your pants up and get out of the room. Um, I will say I'm really. I wish they went with the Lola Bunny from the Looney Tunes show. I don't know if you guys ever saw this, but on Cartoon Network. They did this show in, like, 2011 called The Looney Tunes Show. And it was basically a show about Bugs Bunny and Donald Duck being roommates in, a like, modern suburbia. And, like, Elmer Fudd was their neighbor, and, um, who else was there? I think they had the, the grandma lady as a neighbor. Porky Pig was, like, a, a person they knew. Like, it took all the Looney Tunes characters and put them in sort of a modern, like, sitcom kind of area. Um, I gotta see if, I gotta see if, uh, Looney Tunes Show is on anything, because I actually want to rewatch that show, it was really fun. Um, tons of great episodes of that show, I definitely recommend it. If, if you like the Looney Tunes, but you're like, I don't want to go watch old, you know, old cartoons about them, if you want something more contemporary, more, like, if you want to see the Looney Tunes, like, working in a modern context, I would watch the new Looney Tunes show. But in that show, they actually reintroduced Lola Bunny, and they redesigned her, um, she's not, like, she's feminine, but she's not as sexualized as the original Lola Bunny. Um, but more importantly, they gave her a personality. The original Lola Bunny's personality is, is okay, sexy, confident, um, promiscuous, competitive. Like, she was designed to be hot and also play basketball. Like, that's all she sort of existed for. In the, in the new Looney Tunes show, um, she's, like... She's kind of like an obsessive girlfriend. Like, she is, like, super fixated on Bugs Bunny. And she's not, like, a bad person. She's just kind of, like, um, over-talkative. And, like, she... Uh, kind of bipolar. Um, saying that out loud doesn't sound super funny. Um, I don't know. She's just a way more bearable and, like, Looney Tune character. Like, she's just, like, a crazy, a crazy girl, you know what I mean? Um, and, and not crazy, like, toxic, but, like, crazy, like, it's a lot of work for Bugs to, like, date her, but they, they find a good balance with that, because at the end of the day, Bugs is still very much interested in her, and it's, it's, it, it goes beyond, like, oh, she's a sexy bunny lady. Like, like, Lola being a more kind of three-dimensional character helps Bugs Bunny fit the role of, like, a main character. Because otherwise, Bugs Bunny is just kind of a sarcastic asshole. Um, they kind of make him more of a straight man in this show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you can't tell, I'm a big fan of Looney Tunes. I've always loved Looney Tunes. Um, so yeah, Pepper the Pew, you're out of here. Speedy Gonzales, you're cool. 
Lola Bunny. <laughs> Lola Bunny, just, uh, I guess, age backwards. <laughs> Get less mature. How about that? Um, I should stop talking about Space Jam, A New Legacy. I'm so... Oh, 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 it'll be in theaters. Okay, okay. I was gonna be. I was gonna. I was gonna explode if this was only on HBO Max. I'm still bitter about them holding Wonder Woman hostage, um, unless it's in theaters, and I just am too dumb to go look. I should probably get the vaccine and then go watch a movie in theaters. That's probably the better course of action. Who remembers Looney back in action? That's a good movie. Um, Don Cheadle is going to be a bad guy in uh, A New Legacy. I'm a big fan of that. Don Cheadle's cool. Why are we still talking about this? Um, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about uh, Shaz Adam. <laughs> no, I, you did not hear me incorrectly. I didn't just have a stroke for a second there. Shaz Adam. What does that mean? What is That's not a word. <laughs> um, you, it just looks like you put an extra A and a D in the word Shazam. That's exactly what we did. So, okay, context. Um, there is a DC Comics character named Black Adam. If you if you know Shazam, you know Black Adam. He's an evil Shazam. Um, do I really want to open this this box? I guess I will shut the. Sh uh, bleh, I almost called him by his new name. Black Adam's a cool character, basically. The wizard that gave Billy Batson his Shazam powers. Way back in the time of, like, ancient Egypt, there was this fictional country called Kondak, and there was this slave named Teth Adam. And despite, you know, being a slave and being a commoner and not really being special, um, the wizard Shazam, like the original guy, thought that Teth Adam was worthy enough to wield the power of Shazam. It's, it all leads back to that word, doesn't it? <laughs> the wizard's guy, the wizard is named Shazam. When he turns someone into a superhero, they become Shazam. And the power that they get is Shazam. <laughs> it's like a Smurf thing. Um, no, so, the wizard Shazam makes this guy, Teth Adam, um, into a Shazam, basically. And he gets, you know, his... Superman powers or whatever, and he becomes known as Black Adam, right? And Black Adam, he he, he frees his, his his slave brethren, but then he kind of does this hostile takeover of Kondak, and he, the the power basically corrupts him, and he goes from being a hero to kind of an anti-hero, and basically he goes in directions that um. What you call it? He goes in directions that the wizard isn't comfortable with. So the wizard kind of seals him away. In the original comic, he sends the motherfucker to Pluto and then turns him to stone. I don't know what he does in modern stuff, but um, he might just seal him in the Rock of Eternity, which is a whole other thing. Don't worry about it. It's kind of like a cave, I guess. Um, Black Adam sealed away. And in the modern day, when Billy Batson gets his powers and the wizard dies that results in Black Adam kind of waking back up and making his way back to Earth. Um, he fights Shazam. Usually Shazam like beats him and Black Adam escapes. And in more modern books, Black Adam has like 
regained control of Kondak and sort of become an anti-hero. Like, (laughs) because he's a world leader, he kind of falls in a gray area. Sometimes he'll attack the superhero community. Other times he'll work with the heroes because saving Earth means saving his country. Um, A lot of people have compared him, at least in modern depictions, a lot of people have compared him to Marvel's Doctor Doom. Um, He rules a country... He can do hero stuff, he can do villain stuff. Um, Black Adam is also powered by magic, uh, which means uh, was it? he's one of the few characters that can probably take out Superman. Um, take out, kind of, you know, in quotations. They, they've never let it happen, but he can fight Superman. Um, but yeah, Black Adam's this really cool character. He was, was he in both the Injustice games or just one? I think he was in both of them. Um, he's in the Injustice games. He wasn't in the cartoon. I mean, he was in a couple of the later cartoons. Um, probably the most relevant thing about Black Adam is that... Hold on, I want to see when this movie comes out. So Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who should have been president... <laughs> should have been president. I was going to put a time slate on it, but I think he should always just be president. Um... Buh, 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 buh. Yeah, so Black Adam is a movie that they're working on. Uh, oh, that's interesting. I didn't, uh, Apparently, according to the wiki, um, Dwayne Johnson was first considered to play either Shazam, you know, the guy, Captain Marvel, that Billy Batson turns into, um, or Lobo, which would have been weird. I, I feel like you would have had to put a wig on him, and that's just a disservice. Um... <laughs> But yeah, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's going to play Black Adam in a movie. Uh, I just want to know when the freaking thing's coming out. So yeah, it's a spinoff from the Shazam movie, I kind of figured. Um, they they kind of set that up in, uh, in the post-credit scene of Shazam, the movie. Um, Shazam and his family members... Actually, I don't know if it was a post-credit scene or, or a scene that was cut from the movie... But there was a scene where Billy and his uh, siblings all take seats at this, like, I guess sitting room? <laughs> I don't know what you'd call it. But it's, it's in the Rock of Eternity. There's all these, like, thrones. And each of them takes a seat, and there's one empty. And they're like, huh, I wonder whose seat that, you know, that is. You know, I wonder if there's supposed to be someone else that takes that seat. Anyway, and that's like a hint to Black Adam. Um... It, it might have gotten pushed. Maybe that's what it is. The film has been delayed to April 2021. And it's released being pushed to an undisclosed date. Okay. Um, so yeah, we're getting a Black Adam movie with Dwayne Johnson. Um, there's no trailer for it. There's kind of like a like a hand-drawn thing that has Dwayne Johnson's like narration over it. And uh, it seems to just be like the... the origin story of Black Adam. It's going to involve the Justice Society of America, which is interesting. Um, I'm wondering how much it's going to actually tie into Shazam. That's super weird too, right? Man, I really didn't want to have to talk about DC movies in live action. Um, If this Black Adam movie is connected to Shazam, uh, and this Black Adam movie is going to have the Justice Society of America, then... Does that mean the Justice Society exists in the same universe as Zack Snyder's Justice League? Uh, (laughs) Because, like, 
Superman shows up at the end of Shazam. And uh, oh, I hate DC live action movies so much. Maybe I'll like this one. Maybe I'll like Black. I mean, I like Shazam, so maybe I'll like Black Adam. Um, but why are we talking about Black Adam anyway, guys? Well, to coincide with because fucking comic book publishers think that people that watch DC movies will go read comics, which they fucking never do. Um, <laughs> DC Comics, uh, for their next Justice League book, and maybe this wasn't on DC's part, maybe this was uh, a Bendis thing, but Brian Michael Bendis is taking over the Justice League book, and he's, you know, doing a new roster of characters, um, you know, most of them are, you know, Justice League regulars, some of them are characters that Bendis himself created, so he gets money, um... <laughs> Um, but he also, he's also including Black Adam on the Justice League, uh, which is fine, you know, it's a cool idea, but, and again, I don't know whose choice this was, I don't know who thought this was a good idea, um, in Justice League number 59, which is sort of, uh, building up to the new Justice League team, I guess, um, oh wait, no. Maybe that was maybe that was in a different book. Shoot. All right. Well, I guess it doesn't matter. Maybe it was in the okay. Okay, I think I know what it is. So, DC's newest publishing initiative is called Infinite Frontier, and they put out a book called Infinite Frontier Special Number One or something. Basically, in that book, Black Adam introduces himself as Shaz Adam. So it's Shazam and Adam. Combine into one. Um, I'll spell it for you. S H A Z A D A M. Shazadam. <laughs> um, it's weird because in one book he calls himself Shazadam, and then in the Justice League book he calls himself Black Adam. And I don't. Hmm. I'm confused too, <laughs> basically. In two different books. Hold on. This is so weird. Okay, like, I'm looking at this online. There, there's, uh, there's news stories about... Okay, at first, there were news stories about DC renaming Black Adam Shaz Adam. And there are, like, comic book panels of Black Adam calling himself Shaz Adam. Oh, wait, what the fuck? Maybe this is a re-edit. I'm really confused, guys. I should have read more about this. I didn't know that this was going to be... Oh, wait, what? Wait. Fucking bling. Okay, no, wait. Mm. Okay. God, fuck. Okay. I feel embarrassed. <laughs> I'm sorry that this is taking so long to get out here. I had heard that Black Adam was changing his name to Shaz Adam. And I heard about that because I saw news stories about it. Apparently that wasn't true. Apparently it was a joke. It was a joke by Brian Michael Bendis that he tweeted about and he... Gave it to, to comicbookresources.com and stuff. Um, 
and and then to continue on the joke, bleeding cool, or some I don't know if it was bleeding cool or I mean it looks like a real page. Basically, there's an edit of this Justice League book where Black Adam calls himself Shazam, but the real version of it, unaltered, says I am Adam. Oh my god, this is a fucking waste of time. This whole Black Adam Shazam thing, I feel like I've been trolled. I'm. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> let's let's just not let's just not talk about it anymore. Let's talk about Spider Man, where I'm always comfortable, and I'm never lied to ever. <laughs> um, the third MCU Spider Man movie finally got its its title, uh, Spider Man No Road Home. They did a little bit of like you know joking around, a little bit of teasing for this too, because what is it? Tom Holland, um, Zendaya, and Oh god, who plays Ned? I know his I know his last name's like Buchanan or something. Um, hold on. Ned leads. Where 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 is your Wikipedia? There it is. He's from Huntington. Um Jacob Battalion, that's what his name is. Um so yeah, the actor for Ned, MJ, and Peter, they all tweeted out um different titles for the third Spider-Man movie. Um, in no particular order, it was like Spider-Man Homewrecker, I think it was. <laughs> Spider-Man Home Slice. Um, and then No Place Like Home, is that what they were? I guess I could look them up, but I'm not going to. Um, but they released these like fake titles for the movie. And then they did like a little clip, a little video, um, where at the very end they actually announced that the name of the third movie was going to be No Road Home, which is, you know, indicative. We know, that we know, we know. Marvel and Sony, they can lie all they want, but we know it's going to have multiverse stuff. So, I guess, uh, maybe Spider-Man and his friends will get stuck in another universe, or they'll be hopping from multiverse to multiverse. I mainly wanted to talk about this so I could stop talking about this, <laughs> you know, um, I kind of suspected it would be a, another... It'd be weird if it wasn't something related to home. Um, but people made jokes, you know, Spider-Man Home on the Range. Pokemon... Po Pokemon? Why am I saying Pokemon? Oh my god. At the time of recording, uh, it is 8.13. I can't really make a excuse for this. Spider-Man No Road Home. Good name. Ominous. Um, keeps up the home... Word, wordage, wordplay. I don't know, guys. I'm, 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 I'm stumbling through these news segments. All right, get that out of here. Okay, last piece of news we can talk about. Um, okay. So, J.J. Abrams is working on a, I think it's a, a screenplay for a new Superman movie. Um... Also writing this is novelist and comic book writer uh, Ta-Nehisi Ta Coates. Um, he did Little Black Panther. He wrote some actual books. Don't know too much about him, but I know that he isn't an amateur. Um, but he and J.J. Abrams were working on this Superman movie for, for Warner Brothers, um, which, you know, is good. It's good that they're, you know... Deciding to do more Superman stuff, considering he's 
he's the company mascot, even if Batman is more popular. Um, but they're doing a new Superman, and here's, here's the interesting thing, right? There's been reports that the new Superman that they're doing, that they're working on, is going to be black. Um, and in fact, like, they were looking for someone, if they can't get Michael B. Jordan, they're looking for someone like Michael B. Jordan to be Superman. Um, I remember them talking about this a while back, actually, trying to, like, recast Superman as Michael B. Jordan. Um, man, there's really no good way to critically tackle this. You kind of, like, I feel like, socially speaking, you have to be, like, down with it, otherwise you look like a like a racist, I don't know. Uh, I I just want uh <laughs> I just want a good Superman movie. I don't want gimmicks. I don't want, you know, surprise casting, controversial twists to the Superman. Just give me the fucking Superman story. I don't want his origin. I don't want a divergence or some sort of twist. I just like do it good. Like do it good once. I'm not counting the Donner stuff because that's. I do like the Donner stuff, but it was a while back. Those movies, despite being well written, are very slow, and they're affected by the time period. You know, again, I'm not saying the Richard Donner movies are bad. I'm just saying that I don't think they've aged terribly well compared to like. I don't know, Michael Keaton, Batman, you know? Um, but I just want them to do it, like, uh, I just want them to do it good, you know? I mean, Man of Steel, I guess Man of Steel wasn't... No, Man of Steel was kind of an origin story. Um, what was that other one? Superman Returns? That was okay, but they just did Lex Luthor again. Like, I just want something different, dude. I just want a Superman who is, you know, in the middle of his career... The lowest stuff is, is is wrapped up in, like, you know, they're married. I, I guess I just want, like, the premise of the new show with, like, a villain that we've never seen. Like, give us Parasite on screen. Give us uh, Metallo. Um, hell, give us Brainiac. We've never had Brainiac in a live-action Superman movie. Um... I don't know. I, I think that's the way that I'm kind of looking at this, is like... It doesn't... They they can make Superman Korean, for all I care. They can make Superman Mexican, for all I care. Like, that's not what's going to get me on board. Like, I... Does it matter what race or nationality Superman is? No. I'm not complaining about that. I'm complaining because... I feel like the fact that they're doing a, a different character is, is not a different character. The fact that they're make that, that they're, ah. <laughs> there's part of my head that doesn't want me to say this because I'm worried how it's going to make me look. But I'm worried that making Superman black is going to be the ticket they sell the movie on. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's kind of a gimmick. I, that's how I felt with the fucking, uh, the new Ghostbusters. You know, it was like, oh, it's Ghostbusters, but they're all women. That's what we're selling it on. Like, that, like, no matter, you know, what's in the movie or what the context of the movie is, 
that's what it's kind of being sold on. That's what people are going to look at it as. They're going to look at it as, oh, that's the Superman, that's the black Superman movie. <sighs> like, and I don't want to say, because I know uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates is, uh, is black. I don't want to say it's because of that. And I don't want to also say it's because everyone loves Michael B. Jordan, so why don't we just get him to be... How about you get Michael B. Jordan to fucking do that Static Shock he was talking about, that Static Shock movie? How about you get Michael B. Jordan to play Black Lightning? Or play Steel, or play Jon Stewart? How about you get Michael B. Jordan, who is, you know, unarguably a good actor, to play a character who is African-American that has existed in the comics? That, like... You know, it, it wouldn't be sold on a gimmick. It would just be, hey, here's this really cool African-American character that has existed in the comics. Here he is. You know? How about you go back in time and make him cyborg or some shit? <sighs> Man. I don't know. Like, and the thing is, two people... I've seen, like, you know, comic book YouTubers who are infinitely more, you know, ingrained in the community than I am. I've seen comic book YouTubers kind of be like, oh, I wonder if they're going to do, like, Earth 2 Superman Val Zod, who is the illegitimate son of uh, General Zod, who is black. Um, and, or I wonder if they're going to do the version of Superman that was basically, like, based off of Barack Obama, because that's also a comic. There's a comic where he's still, I mean, he's not really Clark Kent, but he's close. It's like the same Superman, kind of, but... He's African-American, he becomes president of his world's America. Um, you know, so people are like, oh, I wonder if they'll, they'll do that one. And I'm like, I don't... They're not going to do either of those. Like, it's Hollywood, you know? Like, they're they're going to basically make him Clark Kent. And they'll probably end up doing another fucking origin story, because that's all I know how to do. Then again, they have an actual, like, comic book writer behind this, so maybe I'm wrong. Um... I don't know, I, again, I feel bad saying this, because I do want more black characters in superhero films, and I want to see more people who have written for comic books get work in film, and I want more Superman movies to exist, but I just feel like, I'm just worried that, it, because it's Hollywood, it's going to play this as sort of a gimmick. And, yeah, I don't know. I mean, listen, I could be wrong. <laughs> I I could be wrong, and maybe instead of Michael B. Jordan being Superman, he's like John Henry Irons uh, Steel. You know, basically, like, that would be fine. There, I really like Steel. Steel is this character who used to be... He used to work for the government. He used to make, like, uh, technology for the government, and then he found out that the government was... Kind of like Iron Man, I guess. The government was, like, misusing his technology in, like, war and stuff, and John John um, Irons wasn't, like, you know, okay with that. So he left the army, and after Superman saved his life, John created basically an Iron Man suit um, and became a superhero named Steel. After Superman died, he actually called himself Superman, or Man of Steel, uh, in reference to Superman. So, like, that's fine. <laughs> That way you can get your Henry Cavill, and you can get your new Black Superman without it being, you know, like, coined as, like, the Black Superman movie. 
I don't know. Hollywood's been trying to do this for a while, though, which is really, really weird to me. Um, back in the 1990s, after the Nick Cage Superman movie thing like fell apart, um, I think Warner Brothers wanted Will Smith to play Superman. And Will Smith, like, respectfully was like, no, Superman's a white guy. I don't want to be Superman. Um, and so whoever had that script lying around just turned it into that movie Hancock. So, like, for whatever reason, in Hollywood, in Warner Brothers, they've been trying to make Superman black for a while. It, at that point, just do a movie about fucking Icon. Icon is another Milestone Comics character, like Static Shock, and he's basically black Superman. He's an alien that landed on Earth, and when he landed on Earth, he assumed the identity of the first living being he saw, which was uh, a black slave on a plantation. And, like, he just existed from there. And, and what makes Icon interesting is that he's, like, he's, uh, he's African-American, kind of in identity, not so much in, in genetics or whatever. Um, but he's African-American. He's kind of immortal. He's, he's like, been alive since, you know, uh, what do you call it? since that era of America, and he's conservative. Like, that's, you know, those are some interesting traits for a character, and his, like, uh, his sidekick character ends up being, like, a, a, a teen mom named Rocket, and, and she's really fun and interesting. Like, there you go. <laughs> but then you can't sell it as a Superman movie, and you can't have him, you know, butt heads with your new Batman character. <sighs> Man, Fuck DC live action movies. I can't uh, get this news story out of here. I just want to talk about old stuff that I like. So before <laughs> before Marvel Studios just slaughtered Warner Brothers and DC Comics in the cinematic landscape, there were the DC animated movies. Now. This is always something that I have heard people say. Basically, where Marvel has the advantage on live-action movies, DC always had the advantage on animation, both in cartoon series and in uh, animated movies, right? And I agree with that. The reason DC had such great animation, had such great quality in writing and, and art, um, is because they had a budget provided to them by Warner Brothers Studios who, you know, <laughs> they were a studio. They did a lot of animation back then. Um, whereas Marvel, Marvel wasn't absorbed into Disney um, until like the, I want to say like the early 2000s. Um, so the Marvel Studio, or Marvel Comics didn't really have that budget. It was usually like, they had to farm out their properties to other sources. Um, and you had a couple good Marvel shows, X-Men the Animated Series, um, <laughs> way later on, you had stuff like Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes, you had Spectacular Spider-Man, um, but again, those were all kind of just like, we're taking this property and we're doing out-of-house work, we'll get comic book writers to come in and do episodes, but for the most part, Warner Brothers and DC was all in-house, you know, they looked, they, they looked at what they had and they made these animated shows and animated movies, which is what I wanted to talk about today, um, I used to really like the DC animated movies. I used to 
those used to be like my favorite things. That in the DC shows, like Justice League and Batman, Superman, love that stuff. And like, what I really liked about the DC animated movies was that there was a variety and there was a focus on adapting stories from the comics. Um, and also sort of making up from where some of the films might have lacked. Um, Justice League New Frontier wasn't the first animated DC movie. Uh, I think it was like the second of, uh, you know, their slate. It's like the second that they, that they look at. Um, Justice, League New, the New, Justice League The New Frontier was based off a story by Darwin Cook. Um, and it's a phenomenal animated movie. Um, so much great voice talent, like, the animation mimics the comic, you know, to a T, and it tells a very good linear story, and has great depictions of characters that people know about, um, it makes Martian Manhunter one of the main characters, which is always points for me, um, and some of the bigger players like Batman and Superman, they get moments here and there, but they're not as, you know, focused on as Green Lantern and Martian Manhunter. Um, in The Flash. So, New Frontier, really good. And again, it was based off an existing story. And you'd see kind of more of that as time went on. Um, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies. Uh, Batman Under the Red Hood. Superman, Batman, Apocalypse. All-Star Superman. Um, more stories like that. Superman versus the Elite is, is terrific. Um, but again, where sometimes they would adapt comic books... Other times they would just kind of give stories to characters who either did get a movie or didn't, or maybe didn't have a good one, um, around the same, or I guess, uh, around the time that they were thinking about doing a live-action Wonder Woman movie, or at least a live-action Wonder Woman TV show, there was a Wonder Woman animated movie, uh, I just want to get a date on that right quick, from 2009. And again, it's terrific. Um, Nathan Fillion as uh, Steve Trevor, um, Alfred Alfred, Mol uh, Alfred Molina as Ares. Um, you know, got some good voices in there. You got Carrie Russell as Wonder Woman, and just like really good. Um, it was, I guess, it was borrowed from Gods and Mortals, which was a eighty-seven Wonder Woman comic. But basically, like, this Wonder, Wonder Woman... I have such trouble saying that, that name. <laughs> this Wonder Woman animated movie served as the perfect introduction to who Wonder Woman is. Um, it captured the character really well and, like, you know, why she does what she does, who she is. Um, it established, you know, Steve Trevor and Ares as these characters and Wonder Woman lore. And, like... The animation is just so good, and, and so, like, it's not necessarily stylized, but it does a really good job of bringing some of the ideas of Wonder Woman to reality. Um, just, it's super good. Um, the fight scenes are really great in it, but it's, it's, it's paced out really well, too, and you get little moments of Wonder Woman sort of having a reflection on how women are treated in America. And it's not, it's not in your face. She doesn't, you know, she does have a moment where she kind of, like, breaks down to Steve Trevor about it. But, like, it's earned, I think. It, there's, there's a very slow build-up, but when it happens, it feels natural. Um, it's just wonderfully written. 
And again, it serves as what I consider to be the best Wonder Woman origin story outside of the comics. Um, I probably even like it more than the Wonder Woman movie, um, like the live-action one. And then, you know, there was the Green Lantern live-action movie, which everyone barfed at. But around the same time, you got an animated movie called Green Lantern First Flight, which is basically almost the same story. It's a story about Hal Jordan becoming a Green Lantern for the first time and helping the Green Lanterns defeat this larger threat. I don't know if it's Parallax or if it's Sinestro, but it's a villain. <laughs> um, but basically, it's just a better animated version of Hal Jordan's backstory. So if you didn't know who Green Lantern was, you could watch this and you'd get it. You'd get the, the gist of it. Um, then you had some other ones that were more like, you know, again, a, a lot of the ones that are based on comic books try to mimic the art style in the comic. Um, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies uh, tried to mimic the art style of the book it was based off of. Um, it kind of led to everyone looking like a Mattel action figure, but still looks pretty good. Um, what else did this? Uh, All-Star Superman tried to do this, which, I mean, it must be hard to try and mimic. I mean, you'd think it'd be hard to mimic Frank Quiet Quietly's art, but um, it was good. And, like, what I don't like about Frank Quietly is that when he draws buff people, they kind of just look, like, puffy, like they're full of styrofoam. Um, but the animation style doesn't simulate that. Like, it, it, it cuts around that, which is nice. Um, then there's stuff like Batman Gotham Knight and Green Lantern Emerald Knights. Those are great because they're anthologies, which is when you, you pop in Batman Gotham Knight and you get six different stories, and they're all done different animation styles. There's one that's sort of, like, CGI anime, there's one that's more traditional anime. There's one that's uh, like kind of crime noir, um, dark colors, but still animated very nice. Um, in Emerald Knights, I think it might be the same animation all the way through, but in Emerald Knights, it tells the story of like six different Green Lanterns. There's like the first Green Lantern. There's a princess that becomes a Green Lantern. Um, I think, who else gets one? Does Sinestro get one? I can't remember. But just like, you know, characters that you otherwise wouldn't see in, in other animation. Well, you see them in other animation, but it's like, it gives a spotlight to characters that have existed in the comics for years that, because there's seven human Green Lanterns, we'll never really see, you know, this character's backstory. But in, in, in Emerald Knights, you can. You know, I think it's, you know, pretty good. Um, let's see, Superman the Elite, again, very, very good. Um, now... All of this is to say, oh, Batman Year One, that's another really good one. Also, mimics the art style really good, really adapts Frank Miller's work really well. Um, that is all to say that, I want to make sure I got the date on this too. In 2014, things kind of changed. I, I would say, hold on, when did Flashpoint Paradox come out? 2012? Uh, yeah, 2012. I would say in 2012, things kind of changed for the worse. <laughs> they did a animated... Oh, and they did Batman The Dark Knight Returns. Also, again, great. Good of them to adapt, adapt some, like, good Frank Miller comics. But 2012, they did Just League The Flashpoint Paradox, which was based off the Flashpoint event comic from 2011. And it did some cool stuff. The animation was, like... Pretty hardcore, action-packed, um, 
because these are animated movies and not like children's cartoons, they can include suck like stuff like blood and sex, you know, and nudity. Um, because these are animated movies and they're not made for kids; they're made for the fans. Um, Flashpoint Paradox was good. <laughs> I I stress to say it was good because while it is a well-made animated movie, it ushered in the new Fifty Two era of the DC animated movies, which is to say, most of the DC animated movies after Flashpoint Paradox all took place in the same universe, all had the same animation style, um, and most of the animated movies were sort of hodgepodges of different DC comic books. So, after Flashpoint Paradox, you had Justice League War, which was based off of Jeff John's first story in Justice League after the New 52 reboot. Um, I know people that really like Justice League War. I don't. I just... Uh, I think starting out with Darkseid as the first villain was a bad... Because it makes every other threat look not as important or bad. So I, I, I didn't like it. Um, I, I'm not really a fan of Justice League War either. I think it's just like people like the animation, even though around the time of Justice League War, they did a lot of repaint animation. They used a lot of character models from other DC shows. And uh, you could definitely tell. The voice cast was not at all inspiring or, you know very well thought out, um, what's his name, Jason Mara is not a good replacement for Batman following Kevin Conroy, and, um, oh man, there's some other ones, Bruce Greenwood, is that, hold on, I'm not sure I got this right, mm, yeah, not a good replacement for, like, Peter Weller, um, who did, I like Justice League Doom a lot, too, I don't know, Conroy came back for that, yeah, but Omar, not a great Batman. Um, but then following that, you got, like, Son of the Bat... Or, Son of Batman, which combined Grant Morrison's introduction of Damian Wayne. It combined, uh... I want to say some stories from Peter J. Tomasi's, um... Detective Comics run. Like, it combined a few different stories. Um... Th uh, Just League Throne of Atlantis was, like... In, in another universe, it would have been the Aquaman animated origin movie, but because it was a Justice League movie, and it was made after Justice League War, um, it wasn't very good. <laughs> they kind of butchered Aquaman's character, um, the whole history of Atlantis, and they turned his brother into, you know, a kind of sympathetic villain. They turned him from a sympathetic villain to just a straight-up asshole. Like, they just took a lot of the character and interest out of Aquaman's New 52 story. Um, you got Batman vs. Robin, Batman Bad Blood. That's something you'll see. It's either Justice League stories or Batman stories from here on out. Um, but yeah, Batman Bad Blood was like four different stories. Um, Justice League Dark, right, was supposed to be like, here are the paranormal characters of the DC Universe. John Constantine, Zatanna, Deadman, here they all are. And also Batman's here, though. Because we need to sell this movie, so put Batman on the cover. He's in the team. There you go. Even though he's not magical whatsoever, he needs to be in this. Um, they introduced the Teen Titans with Just League versus Teen Titans, and then Teen Titans the Judas Contract. Um, so they tried fleshing out their universe a little bit. Um, then they introduced the Suicide Squad, and we'll get we'll talk about this again in a minute. 
Um, Dentures the Suicide Squad in Suicide Squad Hell to Pay, which was 2018. Um, and that was part of the universe. They did the, they did the, 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 they did the Death of Superman, the Reign of Superman, um, and then they did Batman Hush. They finally gave Wonder Woman another animated movie, Wonder Woman Bloodlines, which was part of this New 52 thing. Um, and then they, I guess, ended it with Justice League Apocalypse, or Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, which was a cross, yeah, it was the final film of the, um, New 52, they're, they're calling it the Flashpoint Paradox continuity. Um, but yeah, it brought together the Justice League, the Teen Titans, Justice League Dark, and the Suicide Squad, and I guess had a lot of characters die off in it, um... But it seems like that was like the end of that era, which is which is great. Um, if you can't tell, I don't like the New Fifty Two era of DC animated movies. They lacked character. They lacked respect for the characters' histories. Um, they really played up violence and sort of um, I don't know. People who watched them and enjoyed them probably enjoyed them for the action and the one-liners. You know. Basically, basically, like, no offense to Fast and the Furious, but these New 52 Justice League, or New 52 DC animated movies became the Fast and the Furious, you know? Um, uh, I don't know, I just don't like talking about them. But what's interesting is that, like, every now and again, between these awful DC animated movies, they would sprinkle in some older style DC animated movies. Like, they did Flashpoint Paradox, they did Justice League War, they did Son of Batman, which were all connected. And then they did Batman Assault on Arkham, which was based in the continuity of the Arkham Asylum games by Rocksteady. And, um, I think it was Rocksteady. Was it Rocksteady or Rockstar? I think it's Rocksteady. Um, but it was set in the continuity of, like, Batman Arkham City and Batman Arkham Asylum. Like, that, that continuity from the video games. Um, and despite being called Batman Assault on Arkham, it's, it's not a story about Batman. It's a story about the Suicide Squad. Harley Quinn, Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, you know, the regulars. King Shark is there. Killer Frost is there. Um, I think the Riddler's involved. Um, Black Spider is there. But, like, it's a great introduction to the Suicide Squad, and I wish it was labeled as a Suicide Squad movie, because even if it's set in the Batman Arkham universe, and even if it's called Batman Assault on Arkham, um, again, much like Green Lantern and Wonder Woman, if you don't know who the Suicide Squad is, this is a great introduction to, you know, the concept of the team. And again, it owns its namesake, you know, characters do die in this movie, and by the end, it's like, you don't know who you want to win, which is really cool. Um, and again, that wasn't connected to the New 52 movies. Um, and they kind of did it again a little bit later. Um, they had Throne of Atlantis, Batman vs. Robin. And then they did Justice League Gods and Monsters, which wasn't in the New 52 continuity. Um, it was like its own continuity that Paul Dini... Or not Paul Dini. Um, Bruce Tim came up with. Like, it was a completely different universe. Superman landed in, like, Mexico and was raised by migrant workers. Um... Wonder Woman was raised on, I want to say New Genesis, so she's kind of a new god. And Batman isn't Bruce Wayne, but uh, Bruce Wayne, 
Batman is Kirk Langstrom, who instead of becoming the Man Bat, became sort of a vampire Batman. So, really just cool concept. Outside of the box, not based on anything. They really pushed it, I remember, when it was coming out. Um, but again, they kind of kept doing stuff like this. Like, uh, three movies later, they or two movies later, they did Batman the Killing Joke. Horrible adaptation of the Killing Joke, but still, they did it. They got the voice actors right. Um... <laughs> Two years or two movies after that, they did Batman and Harley Quinn, which another Batman movie, but set in the DC animated universe from like Batman the animated series to Justice League Unlimited. It's set in that universe, and they get like you know Kevin Conroy back. They do it in the animation of Batman the animated series, um, so it's it's kind of more of a fan thing. It's more for people that you know remember how the DC animated universe used to be. Um, and then after that, they, they started getting a little bit more free with things. Um, Gotham by Gaslight, which was out of New 52, um, not part of it. Then they did Suicide Squad Held to Pay, which I mentioned earlier. And it's funny because a lot of people misinterpret Suicide Squad Held to Pay as a sequel to Batman Assault on Arkham. But like I said earlier, they're two different universes. I think they were definitely trying to play with the success of the Suicide Squad live-action movie. And when I say success, I mean it made money. Um, but also probably going on the good graces of the last Suicide Squad animated movie. Um, <clears throat> two movies from that, they did Justice League vs. The Fatal Five. Again, part of the Justice League Unlimited cartoon universe. Um, they got all the voice cast back. They introduced some new characters. Um, it was super surprising. I remember, like, when it came out, I was so jazzed because it came out in that DC Universe app. Um, yeah, love that. Love that anime movie. Um, two movies later, they did Superman Red Sun, which is out of continuity. It's, it's Superman, but he lands in Russia. Um, and then after, uh, so I guess this is kind of going into DC movies from here on out. After Apocalypse War, they did Superman Man of Tomorrow which, I want to see if it's based on a story. I don't know. I don't know. Hold on, I'm going to go to the wiki just so I know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know if this is based on anything. It might have just been an original story. But hey, it's got Parasite in it, so that's cool. Um, but, you know, Superman of Tomorrow. Uh, I don't know who... It's kind of animated like the Venture Bros, which, you know, sounds kind of weird, but... um. It looks good. That's all I'm saying. Um, and it's it's again just it's a it's a Clark Kent story about his early years as Superman, not his origin, just his early years, which is nice. I appreciate that. Um, and then they did Batman: Soul of the Dragon. Of the time of this recording, it's the most recent one, um, released in August twelfth of twenty twenty, and it was an original story, and it was sort of uh, <laughs> it's like a nineteen seventies kung fu movie with batman characters it's got batman it's got richard dragon it's got lady shiva and it's got bronze tiger um and yeah it's just a martial arts movie starring batman characters bronze tiger has a sweet afro um in fact bronze tiger was voiced by the guy that played him in the live action arrow show so that's kind of cool and then the only ones at least on the wiki that are coming up are justice society world war ii which is going to be Wonder Woman and the Justice Society of America. Um, 
you know, doing World War II stuff. And then after that, they're doing, they're doing Batman The Long Halloween, which is going to be great. But, like, what I'm saying is that when it comes to DC animated movies, when they, you know, when they started out, it was an opportunity for writers to adapt some of the most famous comic book stories in DC's history. And for a horrible, horrible, like, stretch of ten years, DC thought, let's just make them like the New 52. And, like, again, if you like those New 52 DC movies, all power to you, I just thought they were sort of substanceless. Like, by doing stories based on existing comic book stories, you have the opportunity to see different animation styles. You know, different altered, you know, voice voice casting that isn't too far off from what you would be comfortable with. Um, stories with a complete beginning, middle, and end. You know, and stories that establish characters that people aren't as familiar with. You know, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, uh, Suicide Squad. We could have had that with Aquaman, but we didn't. More stuff like that, you know? Um, and it's not even... That's not even to mention all the, the short films that they did. Um, basically, with every with every like, DVD release of these Justice League animated movies, or these DC animated movies, they would include like these 20-minute animated shorts about other characters. There's one for the Spectre, Green Arrow, Jonah Hex. Um, there's a Superman Shazam uh, mini, uh, Catwoman, Sergeant Rock, uh there's one about death from the Sandman comics, which is, like, amazing. It's probably the best DC animated thing ever. It's just so good. Um, the Phantom Stranger, Adam Strange, and uh, and then there's Batman Death in the Family. I thought that was its own thing. It's like an interactive... Oh, right, yeah, okay. Um, actually, I want to I talk about this. Um, there was this other anime movie in 2020 called Batman Death in the Family... And it's an interactive Batman animated movie. Basically, the way it works is um, it'll it'll the plot starts, and there's there are points where the viewer is presented a choice, and they have ten seconds to make the choice or not. And depending on their choice, it'll lead to different endings and different events in the movie. Like there's an ending to this movie where where Jason Todd dies. There's one where he doesn't die. There's one where Batman saves him. There's one where Robin kills the Joker. There's one where Robin uh, catches the Joker and, like, arrests him. And despite it only being, like, an hour long, there's all these different endings um, based on what you, the viewer, chose. And, like, again, that's <laughs> that's incredible. Like I know it's, like, a small thing to do, but I think it shows a, a some, like... What's the word? I don't know. A lot of, uh... What's the word? I don't know. I'll just mix it up. It shows a lot of, like, balls on their part to be like, here's something experimental and different. It's a choose-your-own-adventure Batman animated movie. That is so smart. I wish they did that stuff more. Get more experimental with it. Give me... Oh, you'd be good. This isn't on my list that I put together, but give me a DC animated movie about Shazam and... When he's a kid, it's in one uh, animation style, but then when he turns into Shazam to do superhero stuff, the animation style changes. That would be pretty cool. Um, 
But yeah, I love DC animated movies. I'm glad they got their stuff together. And, you know, after Apocalypse... I know it took a while, but after Apocalypse War, it really looks like they're going to be focusing again on, like, one-and-done stories, which I'm super happy for. Um, to end things off here, I have a list of... I have five stories that... <laughs> basically, if I was quantum-leaped into the role... Like, the role of a Warner Brothers animation studio executive here are the stories that I'd want to see done in, in DC animated movies, right? And I, I didn't double up, so there's not this, these aren't all Batman or Superman. Um, there's some, but uh, here we go. So, at number five, it's kind of bottom of the list, Titans Tomorrow, which was written by Jeff Johns and drawn by Mike McCone in 2004. Um, I've done a comic buffet on this comic before. The premise is that the Teen Titans, uh, you know, the ones, um, they get sucked in some time travel, they, they, they are time traveling, and they fuck it up, and they go to a future, and in this future, the Teen Titans have become the Justice League, but they're also kind of like the heroes and the boys, or like in, in Injustice, um, basically, Robin has become Batman, and he brandishes guns, Superboy has become Superman, and he'll laser people to death, like, it's, it's one of those, and the Teen Titans have to sort of struggle with the fact that as the Justice League, their future selves have done a better job controlling crime in the world, but at the loss of their mortality and what makes them heroes. Um, I think you could do a really good story with that. Um, I don't think you need to adapt it verbatim, because, like, like, I don't know. that You can kind of mix up the team a little bit, is what I'm saying. Like, if you want to do Superboy, Connor Kent... If you want to do Wonder Girl, that's cool too. But, like, it would be really cool if they got the Teen Titans, like, animated uh, series cast for this. If, like, in if instead of Tim Drake Robin, it was Dick Grayson Robin, and he was voiced by the guy that voiced him in the Teen Titans cartoon. If they got Greg Sipes for uh, Beast Boy, Carrie Payton for Cyborg, stuff like that, you know? Um... And I know that that's kind of stepping on the feet of that one episode of the Teen Titans animated series where they go where Starfire goes to the future, but you can do a different version of it. It doesn't have to be completely the same. Um, you can throw in some more sidekick characters like uh, Kid Flash, Superboy, Wonder Girl. Um, you know, in terms of animation, just based on the comic that it's based on, it would it would look pretty cool. Um, I remember the anim the 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 <laughs> the art style for Titans Tomorrow was, you know, pretty action-oriented, but it did a good job getting across, like, the exhausted and pained expressions of characters. Um, but yeah, <laughs> just, like, a Teen Titans animated movie that doesn't have anything to do with the New 52 would be terrific. Um, at number four, here's a weird one, Green Arrow's never had an animated movie, and I don't think he necessarily needs a, an origin one, because we had the Arrow TV show for that. Um, but here's a story. Green Arrow, The Longbow Hunters, written and drawn by Mike Grell uh, from 1987. This is sort of the story that put a spotlight on Green Arrow, sort of brought him down to reality. I see a lot of Longbow Hunters in those early Arrow seasons. Um, basically, the premise is that Green Arrow's um, love interest, Black Canary, is going undercover, trying to break this whole like crime organization thing. Um, and then, like, Green Arrow's trying to solve 
Hold on. <laughs> I remember reading this. I just, I have trouble remembering. Hold on. Green arrow. Longbow hunters. Is it Mike Rell's art on this is really good too. It's very like noirish, um, and it brings just a level of grit to Green Arrow that even the Arrow show couldn't really simulate. Um, that's right. Uh, Green Arrow hunts down a serial killer, um, which lead which kind of like crosses paths with Black Canary's um, infiltration of a drug racket, and like. Longbow Hunters introduces this character named Shadow, who I know they used in Arrow as well. Um, and she's kind of like an evil... Well, not evil. She's sort of like if the Punisher was an archer. <laughs> and she becomes like this this person that follows Green Arrow around like a shadow. <laughs> and what's cool is that she's trying to basically take out the same person that Green Arrow is trying to arrest. So you get one of those superhero stories where it's like, both of us are doing what we're doing for the right reason, but I can't let you go to that extra length. Like, because I'm the hero, basically. Um, but, yeah. Uh, Longbow Hunters, again, just a respectable Green Arrow story and animation would be great, especially if it was animated... I don't know. <laughs> Maybe if Mike McGold... Uh, the, the guy that draws Hellboy, if he did it, that'd be kind of cool. Um, but yeah, Mike Grell's Green Arrow Longbow Hunters, great story. And again, you... You could throw in some stuff to make it a bit longer. You can throw in, you know, maybe Roy Harper and his, like, drug problem. You could throw in Count Vertigo. He's a fun character. You could put, um, Onomatopoeia, who's a really fun Kevin Smith character. Um, you could definitely do some stuff with that. Number three, uh, Batman the Cult, written by Jim Starlin and drawn by Bernie Wrightson in 1988. This story is incredible. You want to, like, I know... Batman gets the best stories, but, you know, prove me wrong on this. So, Batman the Cult is a story all about how Batman's life got flipped upside down. I'm sorry, I'm dealing with a computer thing while I'm talking about this. Where did my mouse go? It's gone. Okay, I'll just leave that alone. Um, Batman the Cult is a story about how Batman is going in the sewers, and he's trying to infiltrate and destroy this, like, crime organization. The crime organization ends up being a cult led by this guy named Deacon Blackfire, I think his name is. Deacon Blackfire. Um, it's... Oh, my God. Okay, so Deacon Blackfire is using, like, drugs that he puts in people's food to convince them that he's some sort of, like, god. And, um... Basically, in the process of going after Deacon, Batman is brought into Deacon's cult. Um, they drug him, and they brainwash him, and you sort of see him slowly devolve from being Batman to being, like, another soldier, another, like, homeless street soldier. Um, there's even a bit where he is, like, holding a gun, and he doesn't know if he shot someone or not. And you're kind of like, oh, Oh, no, Batman doesn't do that. Um, and then, like, on the other side of things, like, Commissioner Gordon is trying to, like... Uh, Commissioner Gordon is trying to, like, you know... Actually, no, Commissioner Gordon ends up in the hospital because of Blackfire. Um, 
but yeah, Batman the Cult, it's, it's about Batman just, like, being broken down, and, you know, you never see Batman as, like, the victim, or I guess you're supposed to, but in Batman the Cult, Batman is, like, torn down and, and like, you know, like, humiliated, um, by, you know, by a point he actually does believe Deacon Blackfire is some, like, superhuman, um, he's put in this desperate place, like, there's a bit where, like, he comes out of the drug, um, delusion for a minute, and he's at this, like, party where he and a bunch of cult members are, like, robbing people, and instead of saving anyone, Batman, like, runs over to the buffet table because he hasn't eaten real food in, like, like weeks, um, and, and <laughs> it gets to a bit where he's actually rescued by Robin, who's actually Jason Todd, this is one of the few Jason Todd stories, um, of real substance, and when Jason shows up, he's like, let's, you know, you know, we're, we're outmatched, but that doesn't mean, you know, we're not going to give him hell, like, Jason Todd is like a little firecracker in this story, and it sort of takes the more negative traits of Jason Todd and makes them look positive, because he's, even if he, like, even if these cult members end up killing them, Jason is like, we're going to give them hell on the way down, though, like, it really, brings a, a, a positive light to this character. Um, so it's Batman the Cult, and again, you you have to copy the animation of Bernie Wrightson. It is just so good. It's so, so, like, gross and grim, and it shows Batman in such a weakened state that you don't get to see him in. Um, story number two, number dose, is Superman Rebirth by Peter J. Tomasi and drawn by Patrick Gleason. It's from 2016. It's pretty. It's the most recent one on this list. Um, when DC Rebirth happened, and Superman was given his son John Kent, who was 10 years old, um, he had his wife Lois Lane, and the Superman book was about the family unit. It was terrific, and I kind of just want that. Like, it'd be great if you can copy Patrick Leeson's art style. Um, it'd be fine if you couldn't, but like. And, like, the, the new Superman show is kind of doing stuff like that because it's a family unit, but it's not exactly the same. Like, I want John Kent to be this 10-year-old kid who has the powers of Superman and doesn't know what he's going to do with them yet. And seeing Superman be a father, and, and you, you really do need to get either... Um, what were their names? Oh, my God. I'm going to remember them. You either need to get... Because Superman's had a lot of voice actors. You either need to get Tim Daly or George Newton. I think that's his name. Um, both of them have voiced Superman in the DC animated universe before. But you need one of them. Like, just... It's such a good story. It's just Superman teaching his son how to have superpowers. And, like, there's a bit where... Uh, what is it? John Kent actually accidentally like, kills the cat with heat vision. And he tries to hide it, but, like, Superman knows. And instead of getting mad at him, Superman's like, let's just go tell your mother. It's gonna be okay, you know? Like, just a feel-good story about this family. And, like, I don't really like that in the comics they age John Kent up. Basically, like, they made him an adult. They made him, like, 18 um, with, like, time shenanigans. But I think for an animated movie, it would be really cool if... The plot was just, we follow John Kent through the years. Like, this is John Kent Superboy, 
when he's 10 years old and he's learning from his dad for the first time. You know, this is John Kent when he's maybe 15 or 16 and he's on the Teen Titans and he's hanging out with Damian Wayne and he and his dad don't have a lot of time to spend with each other anymore and how does that affect him as a person? Um, and then you see John Kent as like a 25-year-old and he's Superman now and his and, and Clark is like retired or he's died and Clark and now John Kent knowing, you know, he ha he knows how to use his powers. He's probably better at it than Clark Kent was, but he's having trouble living up to the mantle of Superman. Like that would just be great. <laughs> like even though it's not necessarily what happens in um what do you call it? In that DC Rebirth book, that would just be really good. I feel like it would be a good um, palate cleanser from all the like overly violent, overly dark DC anime movies we've gotten in the past couple of years. Um, and the number one, this one I'm kind of back and forth on because it is my number one. It's it's based on my favorite DC comic story. Uh, it's Kingdom Come by Mark Wade and drawn by Alex Ross from 1996. This this is like, it's, they've already adapted The Dark Knight Returns. They've already adapted um, The Killing Joke. Kingdom Come is up there. It's one of those stories. Um, and I feel like it would be hard to adapt it. Not that you couldn't do it in actual story form if you just did the actual story of Kingdom Come. But animation-wise it's going to be hard to recreate the majesty that Alex Ross did. Alex Ross, if you don't know who he is, he's definitely one of the most prolific comic book artists. He's a painter, and he's painted these amazing images of the DC Universe, of the Marvel Universe. Um, I'm sure he's done some, you know, unaffiliated ones. He's just amazing, and his artwork is terrific. Um, I remember when I first bought Kingdom Come, I was reading it in my kitchen at my mother's house. Um, and she was in the room, and she was kind of looking over my shoulder, and she looked um, at a page, I think it was of Superman and, and uh, Shazam, and, you know, she, I, I gave it to her, and she looked at it, and, and she seemed pretty, like, interested in the artwork, and it, you know, because it's terrific, like, you don't need to be into comic books to recognize how good that book looks, and the problem with doing an anime movie is that it'd be kind of hard to recapture that image. Um, do I think it's impossible? No, I think if you found the right person for it, you could bring Alex Ross's art to life, um, which would be a triumph. And then, of course, that's not to say Mark Wade's story, you know, would be undercut because his story is amazing. I don't know if you do the same thing where you have basically, uh, what's that guy? Norman McRae? I think that's the guy's name. I don't know. You have this old guy in the story who's like the POV character. I don't know if you necessarily need that. I feel like you could cut that out, but... I don't know, he's kind of important. But, like, you get to see, like, here's old Batman in a broken-down Wayne Manor, and he's, you know, operating all these robots to patrol Gotham from the Batcave. And his back is broken, and he's, you know, a loser. Um, you get Superman, who stays in the Fortress of Solitude and just watches the world on these monitors. Um, he's old, and he's, he's abandoned the world because, like, not because Lois Lane died, not because, you know, a criminal killed her, but because... So, the, the, the Joker kills Lois Lane in Kingdom Come, in, like, the precursor to, to Kingdom Come. 
But the reason Superman abandons humanity isn't because the Joker kills Lois Lane. It's because another superhero kills Joker and the people in the city cheer. And in the modern day of Kingdom Come, teenage superheroes and young heroes are, you know, they, they're all over the planet. But instead of fighting crime or super crime, they're more often than not fighting each other. And in the process, causing collateral damage. Like, it is dangerous to live in the DC Universe when all of the heroes don't care about who gets hurt. And death isn't seen as this last resort. It's seen as the only option. And basically the reason I love Kingdom Come is because it's a cautionary tale against the gritty, dark, murder hero. You know? Um, the story centralizes on Superman, you know, reacting to a world that has changed and a world that doesn't agree with him anymore. And instead of making Superman look like a pompous, like, um, like patronizing, like old fuddy-duddy, it, it presents him the struggle of trying to remain the man he was while everyone around him is trying, is like trying to resist becoming more violent, like giving in to the easier tendencies of being a, a superpowered person. It's just such a good story. Um, and I think it's poignant. I think, you know, aside from the art, the only reason why Kingdom Come would be hard to adapt into an animated movie is because, like, for DC to release a story, like, or not DC, for Warner Brothers to put that out would kind of make them look stupid. Because, at least in the DC live-action movies, they don't care if the if the city's destroyed, if the if the villain dies, it's not about that. Like, I love Kingdom Come because it preserves what makes the DC universe so enjoyable and so uplifting. Because the Justice League are characters who care about life and want to preserve it. And if a death has to happen, it it has to be the cleanest possible death. There can't be suffering. There can't be destruction or, or, or mass destruction or, or anything like that. It, it has to just happen, and characters, like, react to it. When, when a superhero kills a villain, they are traumatized by it. You know, it, in, it in, imparts on them, and, and it changes them as a person. It doesn't, you know, make them a bad guy. Superman doesn't turn to the Punisher after he kills one person. Uh, I guess Batman's a better metaphor for that, but, like, it, it doesn't irreparably change him permanently, but it gives him a different perspective, and if it, like, that's the kind of problem that people seem to not understand with Superman. Like, people are like, it's hard to write for Superman because, you know, nothing can beat him, he overcomes every obstacle, and it's like, he he overcomes every physical obstacle. If something happens, and it's on Superman's conscious he'll hold it against himself. He'll feel bad. And that's his weakness, that he's human on the inside. Um, but yeah, Kingdom Come, such a terrific story. Um, again, probably be hard to animate, but I really love it. And I, I just want more people to be aware of this story because it is so impactful. And it is such a good summary of the DC universe and what I think the better parts of it um, represent. But that's going to be today's show, guys. Um, I had a lot of fun talking about comic book stuff again. Um, 
animated movies, a lot of fun news. That was a whole that was a whole thing. <laughs> um, you can definitely tell a lot of time and um, brain awakeness has passed in the in the, the recording of this episode. Um, but next week, I'm very excited for this. I'm I'm gonna get to talk about comics some more. I'm gonna get to do some pitches um, next week. Maybe I'll talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Maybe I won't. But next week, what I want to do is I want to relaunch DC Comics. Not reboot it, but sort of relaunch it with 25 titles. I have a pitch for each of them. I'll try not to drag it on too much. Um, a creative team, like a writer and an artist, maybe for some of them. I have an artist for... for or not an artist. I have a writer for most of these titles. Um, but yeah, I kind of just want to brainstorm and kind of give my take on where the DC Comics universe could go next following uh, Infinite Frontier. Um, yeah, that's just going to be fun. I just want to talk about comics, guys. <laughs> and then maybe the week after we'll do um, the same idea but for Marvel Comics. Because that's going to take a little bit that's gonna take a little bit of time, too. Um, but I won't prom promise anything. That might take a little bit more time. But as always, thank you for listening so much. I hope you enjoy your day. Stay safe. Stay healthy. If you can get your shot, get it. And, um, yeah, have a great day. Bye-bye.